Discover the magic of integrating your financial, legal, and life planning. It's time for Smart Simple Wealth. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Smart Simple Wealth. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Carrie Qureshi. She is the estate and wealth planning attorney at Qureshi Law Firm, serving you throughout Arkansas and Texas. You can find us online by going to QureshiLaw.com. That's QureshiLaw.com. You can listen to past episodes of the podcast, learn lots of great information there, and even pick up your family wealth protection toolkit that covers all sorts of different details when it comes to financial, legal, and life planning. Lots of great resources packed into that toolkit for you. We've got a great show on the way today. In just a little bit, we're going to dive into a conversation about the unique estate planning needs for farmers and ranchers. So if you are a farmer and a rancher, well, it's pretty obvious you need to listen to today's program because we've got some really good conversation coming up on that. But we're also going to answer some of your questions to kick off our program this week as we open up the mailbag. But before we get to those, let's introduce you to the voice of the podcast each and every time we turn to Carrie Qureshi. And uh, Carrie, how are you doing this week? Good to talk to you. Yeah, I'm doing great. How about yourself, Walter? Doing pretty well. You ready to open up the mailbag and uh, get into a couple of different topics here for some good listeners? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's see what we have. Well, first on deck this week is going to be Paul in Newport. And by the way, you can submit questions to the show by going to CoratiLaw.com. Paul says, in the past few years, I've lost both my mother and father, and it's been a real mess trying to get their estate in order and transfer their assets to myself and my siblings. It feels that we've been dealing with the probate court far too long, and we've spent thousands of dollars already. Is there something my wife and I can do to avoid this mess when we pass? We both have wills already. Well, first of all, you know, Paul, I'm sorry for your loss and that you've had to deal with all of this on top of losing your parents. But actually, I hear this all too often. And there's a huge misunderstanding about wills. A lot of people think if I have a will, I get to avoid probate. And that's not the case because a will is your ticket into probate court. And when you think about probate court, a lot of people are confused about what it is and why they even need it. But probate court, the main purpose is to change the title of your assets from the deceased person to the names of their beneficiaries. And so if you think about, you know, when you're living, when you sell a home or sell an asset, you know, what do you do on a piece of paper? You sign your name, right? And so when you're passed away, you can't do that any longer. And so the probate court makes sure that those assets are transferred correctly. And so that's why we have this process set up. But a will does not avoid that. Now, it does make it a little bit easier if you have a will versus not having a will, which is called dying intestate. That's the legal term. But the truth is, anytime that you're involved with the probate court, it can be expensive. It can be, you know, lengthy and just a general hassle at a time where you really don't want to be dealing with all of this. And so you mentioned that, you know, you both have wheels. So right now, if something happened to you and your wife, you would be going through the same process. You could be going through probate. And really the best way to avoid probate would be to set up a living trust. And a living trust is basically a will substitute. It still says, you know, here's my beneficiaries when I pass away. You know, these people get my stuff. Here's the person that I want to be in charge of administering my state. But it's a living trust. It is created during your lifetime. And because everything is in the trust name and not your name, it completely bypasses 
probate. And so there's no court involvement, there's no attorney's fees. And for some, the most important thing is there's privacy. You know, information is not disclosed to the probate court. Mm. So many different little moving parts there. Do you ever have the problem, Carrie, of somebody who, I don't know, we're in a society today, we talked about doing it yourself on the last podcast. And we're also, I think, in a world where we're very skeptical and always kind of on guard of getting taken advantage of. And sometimes when I hear, I'm trying to play devil's advocate maybe here and, and challenge you a little bit, but I know I know you'll have good response for me, where you hear, okay, well, actually you're going to need this paperwork, and then you're going to need this, then you're also going to need this. And it almost feels like, you know, kind of when you go and get your car worked on, not to always pick on that cliche, but, and then it's like, well, yeah, your water pump died, but you also lost your timing belt, and then this happened, and you're going to need these valves over here, and yeah, that old oil filter needs some changing as well. And you're just like, man, when when does it stop? What's really necessary? Do you have that conversation with folks as you kind of walk through all these different little different little parts that are needed to fully have a comprehensive plan in place? Yeah, I mean, I think you've made a great point because a lot of people, when we're having conversations, they'll tell me, you know, well, I heard we don't need a trust, that it's too complicated, but we just need a will. And when I dig a little deeper, I'm like, well, who's telling you that you just need a will? And they're like, well, you know, my attorney. Most of the time, the attorneys that are telling people that they just need a will are the ones making a killing through the probate process. So it's paying them a little now. And then they know that you're a sucker because now that you have a will, they're going to need representation in probate court. And they're going to make a lot more money off your estate in probate court than what they made on the wills. Because nationwide, you know, probate expenses can be 2 to 5% of the gross estate when you're adding up attorney's fees, court fees, and executor fees. And so I think that's a huge problem within the legal profession is not telling clients how they can plan ahead to avoid probate. So just like in the financial world, you know, you need a purpose for your dollars is something I hear talked about a lot, making sure that you're not just in an investment just to be in an investment, but that those dollars have a particular purpose in your plan. Same thing should hold true on the estate planning and the legal side. If you're filling out a document, if you're filing something, if you're adding something to that plan, know the purpose behind it, be educated about that. And that's something I'm guessing you do in the office pretty, pretty easily with folks is showing them the reasons behind what they need. Right. I mean, normally in our introductory session, which we call a family wealth planning session, it's really about an education. It's about walking them through, here's what would happen at your current level of planning, whether they come in with a will, whether they come in with nothing at all. Let's walk through that and let me really point out what's going to happen. And I always hear people say, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen and it was going to cost that much. And so by Doing that, then we can identify, you know, things that they don't want, you know, to happen. And then we start moving forward and saying, okay, if you want to fix this, here's some strategies and here's things that we would recommend into your estate plan. And so it is a process and it really is walking them through, you know, what would happen. Very cool. Paul, great question. Thank you for submitting that one to us. Again, you can submit a question to be featured potentially on a future show by going to CoratiLaw.com. Look for the podcast link, and you'll find a way to uh, submit questions or just hit the contact button as well. Rebecca in Jonesboro has our next question on the program. Rebecca says, unless something goes horribly wrong, I should be getting a sizable inheritance from my mom. She's currently 90 years old and in declining health. Is it unwise for me to factor that inheritance into my retirement planning? Well, that's definitely an interesting question. In my opinion, 
if you've seen your mother's estate planning documents and you know with 100% certainty that you're going to get a specified amount, then you could possibly take that into account. But, you know, you have to realize with your mother and failing health, you know, you could be spending, you know, five, six or seven thousand dollars per month, you know, if she's in a nursing home facility or if she needs a lot of medical attention. And I think that's one of the biggest, you know, factors out there today is the cost of long term care and how that's draining estates very quickly. And so you may not be getting as much as you think you're getting. And so really, for me, you know, I think the best approach would be to not include that in your base plan. You know, your basic retirement needs need to come from your planning and then to do maybe a what if scenario. What if we get this inheritance and then that would be bonus money on top of your basic retirement needs? Very good question, Rebecca. And I think it's, you know, that's just an interesting question. Like You capitalized it right there at the beginning of the uh, of your response, Carrie, that just <laughs> I don't think I'm not picking anything up here in Rebecca's question. I'm sure she's just saying like, hey, this is the situation that she's in. I'm going to go ahead and start right. penciling this in. It's not like you've been sitting there in the background, you know, counting your money as, you know, declining health is happening in the background. But no. But we also don't know the details on that declining health. I mean, that can be a very subjective thing. And with medical advances this year, not saying this is Rebecca's case here, maybe we can broaden this out a little bit. But if you're kind of saying, well, yeah, mom and dad, you know, their parents only live to, you know, 85 and, you know, they're starting to hit their mid 80s now. So I'll probably be able to go ahead and start factoring that into my retirement plans. Well, with medical advances these days, more and more people are living to 90 and beyond, even past 100. And, you know, that just seems unwise and, and kind of almost puts you in an unfair position for needing to root for that bad thing to happen to a family member. That's a slippery slope to start counting on that kind of thing. Right. And like I said earlier, I mean, that's such a huge issue with today's population. And a lot of people are not doing long-term care planning. And so for our clients that are getting older, maybe that, you know, they've never had a long-term care policy, or maybe they have medical issues that prevent them from being able to afford a long-term care policy. There are some real fears about running out of money and trying to qualify for Medicaid. And, you know, how are we going to provide for these long-term care needs. And my advice for those clients is to start early because there are legal things that we can do to move money and move assets over into an asset protection trust to where you don't have to spend down all of your money to be eligible for Medicaid. And we could do a whole nother show on that topic, Walter, and I don't want to get into that, but people need to start planning ahead and know that that's a possible option for protecting some of their wealth. It's a great thing to bring up, and we'll uh, certainly probably be talking about it on a future episode of the podcast here on Smart Simple Wealth. Great questions this week, and we always do encourage you to submit your questions to the mailbag. We might just feature it on a future show if that's something you'd like. 870-275-4304 is the number to call to directly reach Carrie and have a conversation about maybe something that you're going through, your wealth planning and life planning needs. 870-275-4304. Or you can always go online to CoratiLaw.com to submit questions. And we've got a link for that in the description of today's episode. On to our main topic of the day, Carrie, and it has to do with unique estate planning needs for farmers and ranchers. Why did you want to uh, bring up this topic on today's program? And what do you see as being some of those important needs? Well, I think this topic is near and dear to my heart. Being raised in Northeast Arkansas, 
we have such a huge agricultural community and being a farm family myself, my grandfather was a third generation rice farmer. And now my brother and my uncle and a lot of other family members continue that tradition. So I've seen firsthand what our farmers and ranchers do for our community and for us just as Americans. But I've also realized that there are some really unique and challenging needs for them when it comes to estate planning. So what are some of the most challenging needs that we need to be on the lookout for when it comes to farmers and ranchers? Where do you see them making mistakes and the biggest areas for improvement in their planning? All right. Well, I think, you know, one of the biggest things is really failing to plan in general. Okay. And farmers and ranchers, they really do have some complex estate planning needs because, you know, they may have one child that wants to continue the family farm in the operation. And then they may have one or two children that don't want anything to do with the business. And so when you think about how do we split up assets, how do we give, you know, equal shares to each child, but we have this one that wants the equipment and wants to run the land, but we have, you know, kids, do we just give them cash? You know, that's a big concern. And, a lot of times this analysis paralysis, you know, they don't do anything because they just they don't know what to do. And so they just fail to plan at all. Well, Carrie, yeah, I know firsthand some family members uh, in my extended family who went through this inheriting a farm that didn't have a great plan attached to it. And some of the strife and emotional issues that came out of having to deal with that. And, you know, as we've seen, not just in, you know, the farming situations, but anybody who, you know, goes through that situation of not having a plan to pass on that wealth to the next generation, some of the uh, tough emotional things and frustrations and arguments that come out of that, and that can ruin families sometimes if you fail to plan. Right. And that's really sad. But, you know, it's especially hard when you have this type of family business and the value of some of the land and equipment that's passed on today. Is there a big difference between those two scenarios? Maybe somebody who's passing on kind of the farm and the equipment and everything on a farm that's still working and kind of in the family business versus a situation where maybe it's a farm that's owned and not being maybe the sons and daughters haven't really had that much involvement in it. They've moved on to different elements in life. Does that affect the planning process at all? You know, it may make it a little bit more complicated when you have someone that's wanting to continue on that family business, because if we had a family where none of the kids were interested, it would be easier to probably liquidate the real estate and the equipment and to split it three ways. But the hard part is, you know, where we do have that one child that wants to continue on and how do we equalize it and make sure that they're all treated fairly. Yeah, that's got to be a tough situation, especially then if it's split from there, right? One child wants to continue it and the other two have maybe moved on, but you can't necessarily liquidate two thirds and then still leave a working farm in the background. That's got to be very difficult. Right, which is, you know, another mistake is overlooking liquidity needs. And so especially when you're talking about, you know, if someone's, you know, incapacitated, if they're not able to manage their own finances or when they do pass away, those are really expensive possibilities. And so farmland is not liquid. And so we don't want to have to sell the family farm to be able to take care of somebody that has long-term care needs or to be able to pay their probate and attorney's fees when they're gone. And so we really have to make sure that we have a plan in place that's going to provide some of that liquidity for these family farms. 
So we've covered a couple of mistakes so far. The first one, of course, being failing to plan in the first place. That's an obvious one. We've got to make sure we put that plan together. But make sure that that plan doesn't leave you, you know, overlooking those liquidity needs. That's another common mistake that we see farmers and ranchers make. What's a third mistake that we should be on the lookout for, Carrie? Well, you know, another really big issue, and we see this a lot with the farmers, is relying on joint ownership. They think that the easiest way to plan their estate and to avoid probate is just to own property in joint name with family members. And joint ownership and joint titling can be fairly confusing, and there's a couple of different options. And so for some ways to own real estate, you can own it as joint tenants in common. And joint tenants in common simply means that if you own it with your brother, then when one of you passes away, then your half still goes through probate, right? The other person doesn't automatically inherit. That's joint tenants in common. But for estate planning purposes, and what we're seeing a lot, you know, with the farmers is to own it as joint tenants with rights of survivorship. And what that means is when the first one passes away, the survivor will inherit it 100% and it doesn't need to go through probate. But that's a really bad way to plan your estate because it's basically, you know, last man standing wins. And so if I owned a piece of property with my sibling, you know, I don't want it to go to him if I pass away first. I would want it to pass down to my children, right? And so that causes some problems, but it also causes some problems with regards to some of the programs administered, you know, by the USDA and other subsidies. And so we really have to take ownership and look at their entire, you know, everything that they own and and make sure that they realize, you know, how this is affecting their estate plan and who's really going to end up with what. Sounds like farmers and ranchers just need to embrace and, and realize the fact that just like other areas, you know, in the business world, there are special needs, there are special considerations that make you a little bit different, a little bit more complicated than just the you know standard estate planning or financial planning needs. And once you reach that understanding, you can make sure that you avoid some of these common mistakes. I know we've probably just scratched the surface at some of the big mistakes that you see, Carrie, but am I getting close there to kind of just saying, you know what, these things aren't impossible to plan around, but there are some things that are very unique to the situation for farmers and and ranchers that need to be taking some time to consider. Right. I think you hit the nail on the head. It doesn't have to be complicated. And that's my job is to explain things. So it makes it easy. But if they don't do anything at all, that's the problem. And so, you know, my advice is to come in, at least talk to me, let us have a conversation about how we can make it easy for them. But at the end of the day, it's what they want and it's what's right for them and their family. I know we talked about your Family Wealth Protection Toolkit being a great resource for folks looking to plan for their estate planning and legal and life planning future. Does that apply here to farmers and ranchers? Would that be a useful tool for them as well? Absolutely. It's really helpful for, you know, families or small business owners that, you know, want to build their wealth, protect their loved ones. And and when we talk about, you know, creating a legacy, I mean, what better legacy to leave your family than your farmland. I mean, these are things that are so precious because we know that they've been in the family for generations. And so we want to protect that. And so in the Family Wealth Protection Toolkit, we're going to give you a couple of great books. We're going to give you an audio CD and some really, you know, easy to read handouts. And so you can make the best decisions for you and your family. 
Whether you are a farmer, rancher, or another professional, this is a great toolkit to pick up. It's absolutely free. It's going to be shipped to you. It'll have all that great information about wealth planning, protecting your loved ones, building your wealth through the future, and creating that lasting legacy. You can pick up that toolkit a couple of different ways. One is to go online. KureshiLaw.com is the place to go, and you'll find the link right there on the homepage where you can pick up that toolkit. We'll also put a link to it in today's description of today's episode. And you can also call Carrie and request that toolkit as well. 870-275-4304 is the number. That's 870-275-4304. Very neat resource packed with all sorts of good stuff inside there to help you learn about how to integrate your financial, legal, and life planning. KureshiLaw.com or 870-275-4304. Kerry, thanks so much for taking the time out to join us on the show this week. Uh, enjoyed learning about some of these common mistakes that farmers and ranchers make, and we had some great questions earlier in the show as well. Covered a lot of ground, and we'll look forward to another podcast with you soon. Yep. Thank you so much, Walter. We appreciate it. That's Kerry Qureshi, estate and wealth planning attorney at Qureshi Law Firm, serving you in Arkansas and Texas. Thanks so much for listening to the program today. We'll talk to you soon on Smart Simple Wealth. Did you know you can subscribe to the Smart Simple Wealth Podcast with your favorite app? It's on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and dozens of other places where you listen to podcasts. And if it's not on an app you'd like to use, let us know and we'll get it on there. To make sure you never miss an episode, just search Smart Simple Wealth on your favorite podcasting platform today and subscribe. Investment advisory services offered through Pegasus Wealth Coaching, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Legal services provided by Qureshi Law Firm, PLLC. The Qureshi Law Firm and Pegasus Wealth Coaching are not affiliated in any way. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment or legal advice. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Consult your financial professional before making any investment decision. Information provided does not create an attorney-client relationship and cannot substitute for obtaining legal advice from an attorney admitted to practice law in your state.